Hey, what's going on? It's Rico from the Made in China podcast, Source Fine Asia manufacturing consulting company and Source Fine Asia YouTube channel. Uh, speaking of YouTube, if you want to see what's been going on there, we have some amazing, amazing content. Uh, we have On the Factory Floor, which I mentioned before, I think on a previous episode, we had the Day in the Life Day 2 came out. Um, recent stuff, you know, how to avoid the Chinese New Year pitfalls. Got another On the Factory Floor video coming out soon. I did a I did a video cast with uh, Mr. Mafan, a uh, video cast with Harrison Bevins. So just a lot of a lot of great content. This episode is an episode that I did with Noam Lightstone a while ago. Uh, again, still sort of cleaning out the back house. Uh, we'll have some new, fresh recorded episodes soon. And this episode, I think we just we discussed our thoughts on dealing with clients in our businesses. And I think at the time. I just come off of a sort of four or five day trip with one of my clients, um, and you know we went to Shanghai, we went to uh, Qingdao, Nantong, and it was just interesting to have that experience with him. I think that was the first time I'd spent that much time with a client. Um, I think I'd done you know one or two days here and there, but like to do an extended trip like that was quite an interesting experience. Just uh, you know at the time we were kind of expanding a lot and dealing with a lot of different. Clients, a lot of clients coming to see me, um, which was new. And I, that was like in 2017. It was, you know, I'm, I'm very much accustomed to that now. It's been probably a year and a half, two years since that that episode. But yeah, just a nice little flashback um, and get a snapshot of where we were at at the time. And obviously, Noam was also expanding his business, so he had some thoughts um, and he was expressing them about how he deals with his clients. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Anyways, man, uh, I guess we are talking about uh, we're gonna this this podcast is always random, anyways. But I think we're gonna start off talking about um, dealing or managing with clients. Mm-hmm. I just spent uh, my client flew in on a Friday last week. No, no, last week, like the week before. So I was with him pretty much every day from that moment until Sunday. So like we we're about ten days together. Um, not 24/7, obviously, but like the last four or five days, I was with him 24/7 because we flew out of out of Guangzhou. We were in. Uh, we went from Guangzhou to Qingdao. We went from Qingdao to Ruzhou for a day. Went back to Qingdao. Flew from Qingdao to Nantong, and then drove from Nantong to Shanghai on the on on the Saturday. Then I flew back to Guangzhou Sunday night. So it, it was. Uh, it was intense, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, and then and I, in the midst of that, you still have to take care of the other projects and managing staff and all that. Yeah, I mean that was um, that was that was maybe the most stressful part. Is like I'm, I think it's almost to a fault. Like I'm so routine based right now that whenever I get pulled out of my routine, it's happened twice in the last two months. Like for a longer period than I expected. Like I, if I travel most of the time, it's like I travel for a day to see a factory and I come back, it doesn't really affect anything. And it's normally much more planned than that. 
in this situation, you know, we were gone for five days. I wasn't ex- wasn't necessarily expecting to go for that long. Um, and even the last time was the same thing where it's like I was expecting to be out of the office for two days, one night, and then I ended up being gone for four, four nights, and five days. <laughs> and it's like it's very different. So I, it's I wouldn't say it's stressful. I guess it is stressful, but it's more like it's just a lot, man. You're, you're basically you're basically doing a full time project every day while trying to also manage your business. Mm-hmm. You know, so so all of my stuff that was scheduled, like all the like I had podcasts scheduled last week. I had like all these things that I wanted to to do in the last half of the week. I couldn't do it because I couldn't guarantee that I'd be sitting in a position to have Wi-Fi and like be available. I was either inspecting a factory or on the road or you know in another factory negotiating with a you know a boss or walking around like it was like full-time all day or we were planning the next day at the next factory you know it was like or we were eating or we were you know going to a bar yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know what you mean about routine it's funny because i'm trying to get better at like because i have a very specific routine and i know how long i usually take for breaks and stuff and when that gets thrown off even just by a bit like i get so stressed out and i don't think like i need to chill the fuck out on that because it's like yeah i sleep in because i stayed up late because I was like doing work, it gets pushed back, and then like sometimes I'm like, oh, but this is cutting into my social time, blah 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 blah. It's like, it gets it gets to a point where the routine becomes more stressful than helpful. But it's like that's, today, that's... today usually like, usually I only work an hour and a half blocks. Today I did like three hours straight because like one hour of that was a mastermind. So I don't know. It is what it is. It's it's kind of tough. Yeah, that's that's where I'm. That's what I'm realizing from the last two trips that I had. It's just like, okay. So another thing that's happening to me right now is that um, I, I talked about this earlier a few months ago. Is like our company is growing, like really fast. So there's a lot of things that are happening right now where it's like we have. Okay, I'll just, if I just went down the docket, it's like we're doing our China business registration. We're registered in Hong Kong, but we're registered in the mainland. Which also made us prompted us to consider moving to a bigger office. Also, because I have a intern flying in in two months, I just hired another person. We brought on like three major projects in the last two three weeks. One of our biggest clients reordered uh, two weeks prior to that, and then you know uh, my my client flew in for for that time period. I had an EC meetup. I had a speaking event, cross-border summit. Uh, there was another meetup. There's just like people in Guangzhou who wanted to meet up, potential clients and stuff like that. It's just like all in the space of a month. So, so in my it, like my uh, my daily routine kind of has been like disrupted very significantly because of all these things happening in such a short space of time. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not sure if it's a combination of like I need to start saying no. To more things, maybe that that's a big part of it. I was like, maybe I need to just stop, just start saying no. Like, okay, no, Yo, I, can't I can go tell to you that. that's definitely a part of it. You do like way too yeah. much shit. It's crazy. But you know, anyways, uh, what about your say yes to everything bullshit model? Huh? How dare you, <laughs> dude? I don't say yes to a lot of stuff. Like that's a lot of people tell me to say yes to more things, which is what I'm trying to do. But then, like, I have to balance. No, you 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 wrote an article when you traveled to Europe. 
and you're talking about saying yes to everything. Bro, that was like four <laughs> years ago, man. Like we learned shit, okay, um, man. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, man. I'm expanding my mind and my connections. Anyways, but like it's it's a combination of that. Like it's a combination of of I say yes to a lot of things that sometimes I afterwards go then go like, man, like if I wasn't doing that, I could have done this. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, um, it's a toss-up, right? Because, like, the more you say yes to, the more, like, connections you can make and it can lead to, like, awesome shit. But then it's, like, yeah. if you're not getting stuff done or you're fucking tired all the time, again, it's a gray area. There's no black or white. Yeah, but it's, like, I'm not I'm not tired all the time. I've just been specifically tired in the last couple of weeks, which we talked about before. I, this is not the point of the, the podcast, you know. Um, what I wanted to talk about more so is just, like, I'm trying to – where was I? I was talking about the client. Um, yeah, I think it's a combination of, of you know, fat, rapid growth in a short space of time, and then also, uh, and then also that the circumstances of the last month with the Canton Fair and whatever. Even last year when the Canton Fair happened, it was like one of the busiest uh, months for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what was I talking about before? Before this it was the client management the client routine came. getting disrupted. Yeah, so to, I think what's happening—it's almost like I'm a computer. And then there's an algorithm or some a virus that an application that I'm not used to, and it just kind of throws me off. And then I'm like, I don't know how to deal with this. Yeah, and then I'm about to I crash. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, so I'm, that's I'm that's a pretty accurate like, way of, of of definitely describing it. Yeah. So I'm like, man, like I think I don't know. I need to figure out how I can be more flexible with my routine. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, or is it just accepting it? Because I mean. The routine is good. The routine allows me to be productive and I'm happy. I enjoy the routine. I think a part of the reason why I get upset is because I love the routine so much. But at the same time, you know, this is going to happen again Yeah. at some stage. Yeah. I, I need to be okay with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Because like I said, you know, today my routine was disrupted, but it was my own choice because uh, I ate something bad yesterday. My stomach was messed up. I'm like, all right, I'm going to sleep in a bit, you know, just to make sure everything's okay. Slept in. Morning routine was the same, but then it was, you know, my timing was pushed off and I was really tired. So I was like, okay, usually I go to the gym after lunch, but this time I'm going to work for an hour and then go to the gym. And even just that, it messes up my, like exactly how I eat usually before the gym. So my energy wasn't the same. And then like I was trying to meet a friend and all this other stuff. Actually, it worked out because going to the gym early in the morning, really uh, like my mood was pretty shit and so was my energy, but it like pretty much skyrocketed at everything. And like I said, um, Usually, I only work an hour and a half uh, straight, but today I did like three hours just because I felt like it. And I was worried that I wasn't going to get all my shit done. And like everything got done. Like I still did as many hours of work as I wanted to. And yeah, so it was kind of like, yeah, all that worrying and shit for nothing. But I know there are some days where things get thrown off and I just, I can't help it. Um, And like I can't get as much work as I need to get done. And so in those times, like, I just tell myself, like, man, you know, when I'm dead, I'm not going to care that I missed some work on one day. Like, I can always push it off. Um, so I think it's just learning to deal with it and learning to not take yourself so seriously. Yeah, I mean, I had moments where we were on the trip and uh, we were having drinks with the Chinese boss. And in my mind, because I've done that before, it's nothing special to me. I was just kind of like, man, like, this is such a waste of time. I had a, I had a meeting. <laughs> I had a meeting during that drinking thing. And then the guy was like, man, you, you're still working? I'm like, man, like, yes, because usually this is the time of the day when I'm doing X, Y, and Z. So I'm trying to do a minimum amount of that. But I have a meeting already pre-scheduled, a call that was pre-scheduled like two weeks prior. 
can't miss the call. So and then I can't I can't get wasted <laughs> and hop on a call. It's like there's just some things for me. It was like an intangible thing, but they were trying to pull me away from that. And I was like, man, fuck, forget about you guys, man. You guys are not gonna be there next week when I'm like. <laughs> recovering from all this nonsense (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's tough right because um you know i think like i said um i was telling rico before starting to do headspace seven days a week has really chilled me out but like back in november december uh when our friends uh ryan and nick and people were in in chiang mai uh, they'd be going out more and they'd be like yo why don't you come blah blah i'd be like yo bro like i'm i'm tired from work or i don't want to go out so I don't know. It, it's tough because it's like you have to balance being productive and you are the one pushing the business forward. But at the same time, you got to live your life and also like have some fun, right? So I, I don't know. I guess, like I said, it's going to come up again and again. There's no black or white to this. It's gray and, and just knowing yourself, I guess. I know what the main solution is, though. It's just I have to systemize more, which is what I'm doing. But it, it takes time because, I mean, basically what you want to be you want to be in a position where it's like if you have to travel or you choose to travel for three, four days, the business is still operating at like 90%, you know, efficiency. Yeah. yeah. You know, whereas like when I leave and if I don't pay attention at all, the business is probably going to operate at a lower efficiency. And that, and especially when you have new projects coming in, that was, that was maybe the, the most uh, difficult part for me about that situation was just like, I'm so used to being the point guy for the new projects, you know, coming in, explaining everything, sitting down with my, picking the the person who's going to start it, like explaining, what, you know, how the routine's going to be. And then from there, I kind of step back. But like, I wasn't able to do that. And it was quite frustrating. But then again, like I said, that just means I need to systemize that and outsource that to maybe one of my other employees and, and teach them how to to onboard projects. Yeah, you know, almost as effectively as I do. Yeah, speaking yeah. speaking of systemizing, one big change in the past two weeks is before I knew I needed to systemize. Um, so I was trying to spend one day a week doing it, and it was moving forward, but really, really slowly, and it was really dragging on me because again, I don't want to be like working in my business. Uh, I want to be like working on the business, and again, eventually, you know, systemizing it. So. Our friend Ryan suggested doing an hour of asset or SOP or systemizing work every morning and just like not moving it because there's going to be shit that comes up and it's going to try and take place with that. But if I put that in the morning, it always gets done. And man, that has been like amazing, one, for productivity, but two, for my state because I can see things getting systemized. Like in the past two weeks, I've finished my website, uh, redone a big uh, SOP from the blog post copywriting I do. Uh, I had a sample email document for my junior copywriters with email templates. And just today, I made a new uh, standard operating document. So all my SOPs are listed out um, for the company. And that's all just like in a very short span of time and not a lot of time spent. But because I have that focused hour, it's getting done. And again, I can see that I'm moving towards where I want to move towards. Because that's the other thing. Like once uh, you systemize, you can step away. And again, like if your routine gets messed up, um, someone else is going to pick up the slack. But then again, you can start to spend less and less time on your business if you choose to do so, right? Because that's eventually that's the end goal. Uh, well, I'm assuming that's the end goal for most people is not to be you know 
running a business 24-7. It's to have the business run itself. And, you know, you're just mostly there as someone looking inside, but then, you know, just getting the, uh, the pay to it. Yeah, the answer at the end of the day always is systemization. I think that's what it comes down to. Even when it comes to events and dealing with new projects, dealing with clients, it's having a sort of system in place that you're comfortable with and uh, that works efficiently. Yeah, so yeah. I guess before we get distracted, maybe <laughs> we go back into the, the client stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a cool moment for me. I really enjoyed the, the time. Actually, that's the ironic part about this uh, whole conversation is like I actually really enjoyed spending time with my, my client. And I learned a lot, man. Like I learned a lot of things that I think I'm going to take forward into how I approach projects moving forward. Everything from just seeing the difference between like, you know, when I visit a factory, I'm very like, I'm coming from a very technical standpoint, you know, like when I visit a factory, I'm like, okay, this is the list of things that my client wants to achieve. How does this factory operate? Like I'm judging all the like systemization, cleanliness, openness of the factory. Is this a factory that's suitable for my client kind of thing? Whereas um, for my client, it was more like they're thinking about their story, their company, their like sort of personal goals and future things that they want to accomplish with those factories more so than I am. So like when they look at a product, you know, they're looking at it from a, at least the guy, at least this guy, because he's passionate about what he does. He's in uh, fitness. He's looking at the product. He's got 15 years of fitness experience. Like he loves the equipment. He's like super impressed by certain factories and, you know, other factories. He's like, ah, disappointed but for me I'm just looking at everything from a technical standpoint so that was an interesting thing for me is like maybe I could find if I could find a way to connect with my clients not that I don't connect with my clients on a personal level but if I could find a way to better understand my clients like deep desires when it comes to their products or their their businesses I think that would allow me to like when I go to the factory or when my staff goes to a factory sort of approach it not just from the technical standpoint but also from the the buyer uh, seller you know entrepreneur story standpoint if that makes any sense mm-hmm. yeah another or I guess on a related note about timing it's like I don't know exactly who said this but I think this just might be general sales but it's easier to like where you get a lot of your money is cross-selling, down-selling, or up-selling to your current clients, not getting new clients. Getting new clients is great, but it's easier to sell someone on something once they've already bought and, uh, from you. And it's tough because you know when you're growing a business, you have to balance, obviously, taking care of all the operational stuff and managing staff and managing current projects and keeping your clients happy while growing the business and potentially searching for new clients, right? Um, and then it's kind of like, okay, well, I have to balance all this but then, you know, how much time do I spend on on my clients? Do I give them, you know, two or three hours of my day just because they want to talk? Uh, do I only send them one email here or there? Do I leave them? You know, like, I, I think I, I don't have the answer for that. Um, like, I feel like I could probably, you know, put a lot more personal effort into being with my clients, but at the same time, it's like I have to balance only so many hours in the day and I have to push the business forward, right? So it's a, it's a tough question to answer. Yeah, I think that comes down to, you know what's really helped me with that is um, 
I read Mastering the Rockefeller Habits last month. And uh, something I've been thinking about for a while is just like, what is our company ethos? What is our company story? Because the thing about running a solo, well, at least initially it was a solo company, bootstrapping. I didn't necessarily have like a investor who's like had multiple businesses who's forcing you to like come up with your brand story from day one. You know, it's been more like we didn't even know what our brand story was until like a year later when you kind of have a better grips of the business, how you get new clients, how you manage projects, and then now having managed employees for over a year and a half. It's like I now understand how I want my employees to be and how I want my employees to think about the company. I have a good understanding of how I think about the company. I know how my clients want, I know how I want other people to perceive our company. So then being able to write that down uh, in Mastering the Rockefeller Habits, they talk about your six core values in your business and uh, sort of like listing out from, from top to bottom. And the number one core value for us is we focus on our clients. We focus on our current clients. We don't chase new clients. Um, so for me, that always that's always that situation. When I have to look at two separate situations, this actually happened with the client that came in. That's why I was torn, is we had these two, three big projects like ramping up while I had to leave. And I had to ask myself that question. What do I want to do? Do I want to tell my client, hey, sorry, I'm just going to send you with one of my Chinese employees, but you're not going to get the full expertise from me. Or And then I focus on, the, on onboarding these new projects. Or do I sacrifice maybe not onboarding as efficiently as I usually do so that I can make sure that my current uh, client base is happy? And yeah, that's when I looked at my core values and I said, yeah, we focus on clients, our current clients first. And that's the reason why I left. And I just, I, I contacted the two clients uh, that were, hadn't paid us yet. And I said, hey guys, can we start a week after because I have to travel? And, you know, that's that's what it is. So I think that's that's a big part. Like when you just kind of figure out what your core values are, um, I, even in life, I guess in general, then whenever you have to make those tough decisions, you just look at your core values and, and make your decision based on your core values. Mm, actually, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point because it's the same with like you're saying in life. And in life, I guess you might call it priorities, right? Because it's like, if you're like, oh, I can do an extra hour of work or I could sleep or it's like, oh, I could do two extra hours of work a day or I can spend the two hours in the gym, right? You, you, you choose the hours based on prioritization. And I yep. think what's... Um, there's the quote or, or standard, whatever. It's like humans underestimate the pain of losing something versus the, the strength of keeping it or whatever the positive effects of keeping it, right? So losing something is like whatever, four times as painful as, you know, getting something. Uh, not, I know I'm butchering not, that. Not if you're me, son. Cold-blooded. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. You and your emotionless <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> but, no, no. Um, but yeah, so it's like, I guess the other way to look at it is like, if you lost one of your current clients who are paying you and could potentially pay you more, that's going to hurt you a lot more than trying to chase new people, right? But again, it's it's kind of tough because you're a business and you need to make payroll and you have you know certain sales goals to hit, right? Uh, again, like core values for sure, it's it's definitely important to keep that up. But yeah, I think it's, uh, it's definitely a tough, uh, tough balancing act. It, it's tough. And I think, you know, you have to make those decisions and see how, I mean, the two people, the two clients that I told 
I asked if we could push back a week. They were completely fine with it. That's that's the ironic thing is I think I was I am and I was more worried about it than they were. <laughs> so I, that's that actually brings me to another thing when it comes to dealing with clients. It's like just be honest, man. There's a lot of times, a lot of times when I'm scared about something. Um, if something small, and it, I, most of the time, I'm the one who's way more worried than they are, you know. So it's like I just, I just tell them like, hey, uh, unfortunately, you know, my one of my uh, the the lead on your project forgot to send this email or whatever, and that's where the confusion was. And then they're like, oh, okay, cool, thanks for clarifying. No, no biggie. Yeah, you know, it's Actually, like it's always just it's like that, you know. Yeah, speaking of which, with honesty, so. I have a, a current client, current lead gen client, and last week, you know, I sent him because basically we we have lead gen and then we do emails. But I generate some leads for him, sent him, and he's like, "Oh, this isn't what I was looking for. Can you do this?" And so I was like, "Yeah, sure, no problem." And the prod, like I was supposed to send those new leads last week, but my lead gen guy is really screwing up, and honestly, we're probably going to fire him. And I'm hoping that I'm hiring someone new, and they'll be able to get to me this week. But if not, I'm like I'm just like no, I'm just gonna tell them straight. Up. I'm just like, hey, I had a lead gen team on this. They weren't performing as well. I want to make sure you get the best service. So it's gonna come to you at the beginning of next week, and I just want to keep you updated. Because in the one hand, I'm like, oh, does that look unprofessional? And it's like, no, this you're you're showing like you're handing your shit and you're trying to take the best care of your client. And as long as like overall the project is on is on track, which it is, they probably won't care. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the biggest, biggest mistakes um, I think entrepreneurs make, especially at the beginning. Especially when it, I guess when it comes to like consulting, because it is such a personal relationship. And I, I definitely, I know I actually from day one have been pretty straightforward with people, um, but I definitely was a little bit more scared to to give bad news early on. Mm-hmm. But every time I've done it. And I usually get like a very normal, positive response. It's like, oh, okay, so let's just do that. And now it's interesting because my staff are in that position because my staff are the ones who are doing most of the client-facing stuff. I, I'm i more strategic behind the scenes project management. And then I, I, I do like weekly calls with some of my clients and um, any sort of like high-level stuff in the project I'm involved um, in the projects I'm involved. So, but like a lot of the day-to-day, like emailing back and forth updates, is all my staff. And sometimes they'll freak out and be like, "Oh, should we should we tell the client that the factory said blah blah blah?" And I'm like, "Yeah, of course we should." <laughs> like <laughs> now, I'm the person being like, "But uh, what if they're not happy?" I'm like, "No, it's not about that. If we give them the information, and we give them also another thing, I always tell my staff is like, never give bad news without a solution." Like don't just drop a problem in someone's lap and then say, okay, you deal with it. Yeah. Part of the issue, part of the thing about being a consultant is issues, especially in China, there's going to be issues always, always. It's never 100% smooth. But uh, what I think my clients are actually paying me for is the problem-solving aspect. Yeah, I was going to say that you're their problem solver. Yeah, that, I think that's really what it comes down to when it comes to manufacturing. It's like, oh, the factory says they're going to delay the production by 10 days. And I'm like, okay, before we tell the client, like, find out why, uh, what what are the possible ways that we can keep the production on pace? I mean, in the past, what we've done is we split shipments because let's say the factory uh, kind of got overbooked with their scheduling and production. 
But like, okay, how many units can you get done by X date? How many units can you get done by uh, this date? And they were able to like complete, let's say, 70% of the production um, and then 30%, 70% on time and then like 30% like a week later. And and then, you know, they gave our client like a, a credit on the order. Yeah. And I mean, the, the client was completely fine with that, you know, so it's like th- those kind of things. You know, it's just, you just have to come up with a solution and just make sure that you're being honest and, and truthful about every circumstance. Yeah, on the problems sort of thing, as soon as you're talking about that, I thought that, have you ever watched the show Blue Mountain State? Nope. <laughs> okay, I was re-watching yesterday. Basically, it's like a college, it's a show about college football and drunken parties and all that kind of stuff. But uh, basically on the team, new quarterback comes in and the coach is like, yeah, you know, if you ever got a problem, you just go to this guy. He's your problem solver. So he's just going to the guy and being like, yeah, you know, fix this, fix this. I need this, I need this. So it's like, you're not, it's like you're not uh, a client's bitch, obviously. That's not what I'm saying as a consultant. But yeah, it's like, as long as you're solving problems, that's what they're paying you for. They're paying you to provide a solution and be an expert in something. And I think that's a really important thing that you mentioned. It's like, if you say something is wrong, like as long as you say, and I'm doing this and we're going to fix it, that's okay. It's the same thing like... uh I've been practicing this again because of re-listening to Four Hour Workweek. If you if someone screws up, like one of your staff, you do the criticism sandwich. It's like you did a really good job, and then you know criticize them, or you need this to do do this, and then again positive affirmation. Because like if you just send an email to a client saying we fucked up, or to someone who's your staff member saying you screwed up, that's like it's not going to go over as well as if you counteract that with the positive. Yeah, yeah, and I mean. That's just how it is. Like, uh, I think if there weren't any issues, if manufacturing in China was perfect, then everybody would be doing it directly themselves. You know, like <laughs> I wouldn't have a job, essentially. So that's so. Anyways, that's uh, I try to approach that, um, approach that in that way. Another thing I think is I want to talk about. I don't know about you because I'm not sure. I haven't talked to you so much about how you deal with your clients, but. Um, I really enjoy, I, first of all, I, I enjoy people. Um, I think one thing I really love about my business right now and, and my clients is that it seems like I attract people that are similar to me. And I think the way this has happened has been the podcast. Because, I mean, a lot, many of my clients listen to the podcast and or like uh, interviews I've done and stuff. So I really like the client that I was with. Love that guy, man. Like we, like outside of work, we could we could be best friends. You know, we're just on the same level, same thinking, same self improvement, part, partying, whatever it is. Like we were on the same page, and uh, I, I and I also try to approach that. Like when I have sales calls and stuff like that, I try to be more. Not I obviously professional, and I'm obviously giving advice, but I also try to be like connect with them on a personal level. Try to be as authentic as possible. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just, it's, I, I don't, I just wanted to get your take on that. Like, well, how are you with your clients? And like, you know, are you, are you doing a lot of personal development with them or is it just more like, okay, you come up with the strategy and then you execute? Yeah. So it's a great question. Uh, and again, I'm still learning, but because I know that if I treat my clients well, they're probably going to come back for repeat, repeat business. Like, again, that's more of a monetary thing. That's why I'm trying to treat them well. And, um, <clears throat> give them lots of feedback, but also... No money, no honey. Yeah, but also what I've found is uh, the the clients that are long-term, they're just like really cool. So like 
I have a legacy blog post client who's just really chill, very easygoing, and he doesn't need much feedback. Uh, and he's just like, okay, this is what I'm thinking. I'm like, okay, I get it done. And he sends it or I send it off to him. He's like, oh, this looks good, great. And then just move on. Uh, but he's really cool because he's into the same personal development stuff I am in. I have um, a main lead gen guy I'm working with right now who needs a lot of help with his copywriting his, his and his marketing. But I, I really like him as a person. He's like very honest in his business, almost to a fault, actually. I think so much that it hurts him. So I like him. And then a new client with an Amazon business who, who's like, you know, my age, startup entrepreneur, really cool guy, really straightforward. Uh, sometimes I think I'm not the best at selling and pitching and all that because I, I had never done any like sales before, you know, getting into entrepreneurship and I'm getting a lot better at it. I'm studying on it. But what I'm seeing is that when I come across the right people, so the right people don't try to bargain down my prices. They, I say, this is the price for it and they accept it. They value my opinion and like talking to me, like, it just works naturally. Like there's no, there's no real selling. And, you know, I, I'm sure tons of people have done this, um, this comparison, but it's like dating. When you meet someone who, you know, like you get along with, there's not really any force or whatever to it. Like you just, the conversation and stuff flows and everything just works itself out. And I think it's the same with any relationship, right? Even if it's with your friend or whatever, um, if it's, yeah, I mean, there's like some skills you need. So like basic social skills, not like, you know, fucking pick your nose in front of them or some shit. But yeah. um, other than that, I think it's just mostly like once there's a connection or you think the same way, naturally you'll be able to talk on the same level, right? Yep. And by the way, dude, if you want to, if you want to do like a separate call and talk about sales, I can talk because I know you asked me for, for book recommendations, but for me, my sales, obviously I've read sales books and I've read like um, the main one I talked about is Predictably Irrational. Yeah, and uh, Never be- Split behavioral. the Difference is what I'm going to be listening to next after I finish re-listening to 4-Hour Workweek. But um, I mean, I've, I've been working in sales now, wow, uh, like eight years. <laughs> eight years of sales experience. So like my sales strategies have just been developed from being like a actual salesperson you know i mean there were the, and there was stuff that i learned on the job the stuff that they teach you when you're working in those positions as well um and i feel like i've just kind of it, my my process is like an amalgamation of my experience mostly my experience i'd say 75 percent my experience and so then like you know 25 percent um books that i've read and, and things that people told me so yeah i mean i could we could have a call about that you can pick my brain yeah, I just um, made a note to uh, make a call. Calendly is blocked right now, but uh, I'll make a make a time uh, tomorrow. Yep. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just uh, in terms of what you what you're just saying, it's like yeah, for sure. When you when you, especially the clients when the clients that tend not to negotiate the price down already see the value. I have a I have a question about that with you. Do you find that that's often clients who have who have been entrepreneurs for a while, or is it also the, the newer people? Um, it's mostly the newer people. What I found actually The is, ones that don't negotiate the price down? No, the ones who negotiate the price down are new. But yeah, the ones that's, who that's are, what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. But what I found is that the people who have not negotiated at all, like, yeah, actually all the clients I closed who have not negotiated really, 
they've all been like really good and the clients have stuck with. And then clients that have haggled down either like I haven't done business with them or we did business once and then it just didn't keep moving forward because as, as I've grown in terms of my expertise and the business, prices have grown. Um, and I think they're just kind of trying to get bargain deals everywhere. And it's just like, I can view things as, in terms of scarcity being like, oh, everyone's like this. And you, know, you run in, into this a lot as a consultant or freelancer when you're trying to pitch on Upwork. But you know, I know my friend Ryan finds tons and tons of people willing to pay him thousands of dollars a month to do emails. And the same with me. And there are good clients everywhere. And again, that's just like the abundance mentality and screening out for that so that you are finding people who will pay you uh, like what you're worth. And you don't have to like stress yourself out working for peanuts. Yeah. So, I mean, so I, so that's kind of proving my, uh, my hypothesis, but basically I think you have, it's, you split it into two parts when it comes to like a new person, the the motivation is, and I was like this myself as well. And I I guess I still am when it, when we're pursuing like new uh, initiatives in the company, limited funds, Right, so you're like, okay, how much money can I spend on this? And ideally, I'd want to spend less money than that, right? And then the second, the second part is experience, uh, just the education aspect. Like, it, so well, well, to expand on that, the clients that have the clients that have actually done the sourcing process before tend not to negotiate because they know how difficult it is. You know, they know like. The, the, how complicated that process is. And then, uh, you know, the ones that have money, obviously they have been running businesses and they know what it's like to run a business. So they go like, okay, like I have a budget for marketing and if this guy fits into my budget, he fits in. If he doesn't, he doesn't. And I'm just going to check out his prices, right? I think that's where it comes down. So when the, with the new guys, it's like the new the new guys that have paid me and haven't complained or not complained, but haven't tried to haggle, have been the ones that have done a lot of research or have even tried to like enter, have tried to source products by themselves and just found it like quite difficult to do. Um, but the ones that are like, are just getting started and have a limited budget and haven't really done the sourcing process themselves tend to be the ones who try to negotiate the price down. So you guys have seen me waking up early for the past two days, you've seen me going to factories, you've seen me dealing with my Chinese employees, you've seen me at the IFC Tower, you've seen me working late. But you might be wondering or asking, how, how did I get here? Days in the life. Twenty-five-year-old CEO, Switzerland, Asia, made a China podcast. Manufacturing consultant in China.
Yeah, I think there's a third set where there's people who have tried to get the work done for cheap or cheaper and then gotten burned. And then they open up their funds more and accept that they have to pay more. Like, I, that happened to me. That's happened to actually everyone I know in entrepreneurship that I can think of. Like, they, they either cheaped out or, like, someone didn't do the job well. And then they're like, okay, I got to increase my prices or what I'm willing to pay so that I can get the work done. Because there's, like, at least for me, and I, I know you're the same way, but there's nothing worse for me than if I give something to someone and they do a shitty job and then I have to either pay someone else to do it again or at worst, I have to do it myself when I should be spending my time doing other shit like that. That pisses me off to no end. Yeah, I think when it, with that, for me, I don't, I don't experience that as much as you do because obviously, um, like, you're in a much, I think you're in a much more competitive market. That'd be like, there's way more options. Like somebody, like going on to Upwork, you can find somebody to do copywriting for five bucks, right? Five bucks an hour or whatever. But like you, and you, I guess you could find a Chinese person to do sourcing for the same price or whatever. But most people don't choose that option because they want to work with a Westerner who's based in China. So I don't really have that experience. But I, I, I guess I, for me, I'd lump those guys into the, the people that have tried to do it themselves and dealt with factories directly. And just things, things went really wrong. <laughs> so then they come to me. Yeah. Yeah. On that, on the copywriting point, it's a good point. But that's why, like, when I talk to clients, I stress the benefits of, like, you know, how much a funnel or an email marketing series can bring them. But it's also why I'm specializing into, like, Legion and cold emails, because that is much harder to find someone who knows what they're doing and and can do it properly. Yep. I mean, and it's like for me, when I, when I, when I approached you with doing the work, when I'd worked with somebody else before, was a friend and I just gave him the chance. It wasn't like he did a bad job or anything. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was burnt, but I definitely was one in a, in a, in a less strong financial position. And two, I didn't really, I hadn't dived deep enough into that world to understand, you know, what I need to be paying for those services. Um, so by the time I was talking to you, I was already doing research for myself just because I wanted to have a deeper understanding of how it works, what the benefits are. And obviously, like coming across people like um, Neil Patel and uh, Ezra Firestone, and seeing how much those guys charge for their services, it's like okay, I, I understand, you know, where the benefits are for for, for paying, you know, a higher price for that service. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like a lot of copywriters you're paying, like for a sales page, you could be paying like ten grand, and then ten percent of all sales in perpetuity forever. So yeah, it's like. I think that's the thing, though. It's like when you're up at that level, again, those people don't think of trying to hit everyone. They're like people who who know this stuff, know that it's worthwhile and know that it's going to be worth their money. So that's what they pay for, right? Definitely. What else do you want to talk about with clients? Um, Man, I don't know. It's like I'm still learning a lot with clients because it's like, well, I'm still, it's just like, it's just people, man. The funny thing is like, I've, this is going to sound really weird, but even though I prefer to be just doing like a drop shipping business right now where it's just like I don't have to deal with anyone and it's just super automated, I like them doing all this because it's forcing me to learn all the skills that I think that are going to come in great need or like be, it's going to make the, the other stuff I do way easier because with this, it's forcing me to learn how to prioritize, systemize, uh, and all that type of stuff. Um, to handle clients and all that kind of stuff. And again, that's going to be super useful 
going into something else because I feel like a service business, it's a lot of work, but it's easier, it is easier to succeed at selling a service than, say, trying to do a, a Kickstarter or making an ebook or something, right? Yeah. Physical, physical product. Yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, but then the, the ironic thing with a physical product is that, um, and a lot of my friends in EC would tell you the same thing. People, you, they pay you twenty bucks for something. They expect the world from you as well. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Well, that goes back to, and I was reading this before I worked with you. It's like if you're selling a physical product, try to get it in the fifty to two hundred dollar range because the lower range it is, the more people are going to complain about it. Yeah, and I mean, it's just in general. It's like, what are you going to do? You sell a, pro- a product for 50 bucks and then the shipping expenses and then, you know, the product doesn't work out. You have to replace that, pay for the client's shipping. And it's like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of issues. And if you have quality issues, that can become a very, very expensive uh, problem, you know? Mm-hmm. I know people's businesses who've been ruined because of quality issues and having to replace, like, let's say 50% of the inventory, you know, for free. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a very cash intensive business, you know. Yeah. So, the there's I guess there's difficulties on both sides, but I 100% agree. Um, I feel like doing a service based business where you're dealing with people and it's not as much of hey, you know, the, I'm selling something online and everything's automated. When I do decide, or if I do decide to enter into a business that's more automated, I'd be that much better for it, you know, mm-hmm. like. Dealing with uh, dealing with staff and dealing with with people. Yeah, because I mean, like on the side, I do have like a couple of hundred bucks coming in from my eBooks from my blog. And to be blunt, like I don't really get many emails from people. Like once in a while, I get someone like asking for a refund, and then it's like, okay, here you go, no big deal. Uh, but mostly, it's pretty much like hands off, and the, those eBooks are not high priced. They're like you know ten bucks or less. So. I think it, it it depends on on what's going on, but um, yeah, like my my end goal is obviously to get into something that's more systemized, and so that I don't have to be doing all the client management stuff or even you know delegating it to someone else. Um, but yeah, you know if if this is what I'm doing right now, I'm not. Uh, it's not that much to complain about because again, my I always think of the alternative of of being told where to sit, where to shit, how to eat, how long to take my lunch break and all that stuff. And I'm like, nope, no thanks. Yeah, man. I, I, can, I can never complain. One one cool thing is I, I think I'm getting to a stage where I'm, I'm well, no, no, I think I am at a stage where I'm, I'm starting to like turn away people mm-hmm. just because I know for the service that they want, one, where like, we're going at full tilt almost right now. And uh, in terms of my financial goals for the year, like if I kept things as is, I'd surpass them significantly, which is cool. But um, I'm just becoming a little bit more selective about the people that I work with just because I'm like, I know what you want us to do. You don't have the money to pay us. Yeah, well, the worst thing to do is to take on too much work and then you can't like fulfill everything. Then you're like really screwed. Yeah, it's an interesting position to be in because like the first year and a half of the business, not even first year, I guess now we're at two years and two months. Yeah, I'll say the first year and 10 months, it's like, we're just like, man, we need more clients. We need more clients. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Everything is just like, I say yes to everything sort of situation. Um, But now it's like, yeah, like 
I just feel like, no, you know, if we have to pick the right people, the right clients. Um, they need to be paying us the right amount of money. If they're, if they, they need to be prepared as well to work with us. Um, cause I don't want to do too much handholding, especially mm-hmm. in a business like this. So it's, it's a very interesting to play, to place to be in because I'm switching kind of like my mindset from being so sales driven to being like, all right, you know, we have a good core base of clients and we have more than enough leads mm-hmm. to sustain us. And it's more like, okay, let's now be a little bit more selective about the people that we work with. Not that we've had bad clients in the past. I'm just saying um, in the past, maybe I I quoted somebody a monthly consulting fee that was lower than we should have been receiving for that service. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, because one experience and then two, uh, maybe we needed the funds, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy about that, actually. Yeah, I can't yeah. say I'm in the same position. Like, I'm not, I'm not like you know starving here. Um, but I, you know, I will turn around, uh, turn away people if I don't like them or if they're, you know, again trying to haggle. They're like, let's let's do five dollars an email. I'm like, no, no thanks. Um, but and there's tons of corollaries, and like the only one I can think of right now is dating. So it's like I feel like with business, you know, once you're at a certain point and you're doing really well, you start turning away people because again, you're like, I want to help my clients right now. I don't want to do a bad job, or you know, yep. you're not paying well. It's like with dating. If you let's say you have like no options, or you're really bad at dating, or and all that, you're more likely to you know honestly lower your standards or or maybe take take a bit of heat. Uh, let's say if you're a guy, maybe you take a girl who. Kind of like some of her stuff bugs you, maybe she nags you and stuff because to be straight up, let's say you like the sex, but then as you go on and you you know that you don't have to present yourself, you have more options, you don't have as much time, let's say. Um, let's say again, you're maybe you're getting older, so you have more responsibilities, so you know you can't spend as much time dating. You're gonna be like, okay, I'm gonna be much more selective in who I date because one, I don't need drama in my life. Like actually, there was a girl who I cut off because. She was, it was like way too much drama. Um, two, I don't have that much time to spend. So I want to have the best experiences I can with, you know, the people that I'm spending my time with and, and all that type of stuff. It's like a totally different dynamic compared to when you're just like, I will take anything I can get. And I think it's the exact same with consulting, especially when it comes to business. I guess to end the, the, the customer thing on a positive note, and I, get, I, can, I can hang out a little bit longer because... Um, I, I haven't finished my tea, hmm. but, uh, so one thing is like the thing that I'm thinking about right now is that I was torn. I decided to focus on my client. He wants to continue or his business wants to continue working with us. And also I just had like, a you know, one of the best experiences in my life traveling to all these different places. I'd been to Nantong before, but I hadn't been to Shanghai and, uh, you know, I also got to explore Qingdao. So, I mean, even overall, it's like the experiences that I had uh, by deciding to, you know, focus on my client are ultimately going to help me in my business. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the thing that I'm I'm focused on. And, and also just I'm thinking about that in the future is the next time I feel like torn about something. And I know that the right thing to do is to is to do this, even if it's going to be a little bit detrimental to something else chances are the net positive is going to be much higher 
than you know what I anticipated. Like I, I didn't imagine that I was gonna have those kind of experiences, um, you know, traveling. So, and also like I, I brought one of my employees, and like that was a very good experience for for her. You know, I can see now in the future a situation where she could do that by herself. You, you know? should uh, in the show notes. You should put the video of her her dancing on stage with the client. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I would have, I'd have to ask for permission first. Yeah, she, she's pretty shy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, that just in general, like the, the the positives were so much. The positives outweighed the negatives by such a huge amount that I, I have no I have no regrets. Um, obviously, I'm I'm tired. You know, I'm still recovering i had a little bit of a flu when i got back and i got back late on i got back at like three o'clock in the morning on sunday and woke up and went to the office the next day and it was just like you know press repeat you know yeah, continue yeah. continue grinding on, on that general note sometimes like you know ryan says to me because sometimes you know like i i get all up if i have like a late night sales call and messes up my routine or Again, these are such first world problems, but it's like if I if I meet a girl and we hang out at night and it's late and I wake up the next morning and it's late, or uh, let's say a sales call doesn't go as well as I want to, let's say it's like a normal time, whatever. Um, it's always like there's always like a, a plus side. Um, I don't remember who said this, but or where this is from, but it's like even in the bad times, so it's like you know I was sick um, with food poisoning for a bit, and then I also burnt out. But after that week, I, I came back and I restructured. I was really restructuring and looking at things, trying to maximize my prior output. And also, like I, I learned a lot about how I waste a lot of time, and it's helped to streamline a lot of stuff in the past two weeks. So with every quote-unquote negative, even if it's not that negative or it feels kind of negative, you always like learn something or you get some positive out of it, like almost, almost always. Yep, yep. So... You want to pivot into anything else? Um, systemize your fucking business. That's all I have to say. I'm just like obsessed with SOPs and and, and shit recently. And I'm just trying to write down everything. And the cool thing is, um, speaking of hiring, so I've hired someone to do some uh, some template filling out in my lead gen work and emails. And I think I don't remember which Tropical MBA podcast they said this on, but it was like I can get this because. Um, what I was thinking of was like, you know, you can delegate everything. And I'm like, oh, I have to write my SOPs. And I, I just realized, no, you can get the person who's doing the work for you to write your SOPs and then you can edit them, right? Yeah, that's what I, that's, that's kind of funny because I had the same, I've done it before. I had, um, you know, there was a girl that was working for me last year and she was doing a lot of our sourcing reports. And it got to a stage where she was like, she was better at doing the sourcing reports than I am, you mm-hmm. know? Even though I'm the one who created the the thing, the template that she follows. So I was like, when I when she was leaving, uh, I asked her. I was like, hey, can you just write down your process in an SOP? And I gave her like a te- I gave her examples of SOPs that I've written and how you how you make sourcing reports. Mm-hmm. And she made an amazing SOP. And I, I did that with maybe one or two other people. And um, that was like a, that was like a year not a year ago, eight months ago. Mm-hmm. And then now after. After we had our quarterly meeting, and uh, I have my employees now, now that I think are going to be with me for a very long time, I was like, "Yeah, let's." I sat down with one girl who's now our operations manager, quote unquote, and I'm like, "Let's just start writing SOPs." Like, you, uh, we'll, we'll sit down, we'll di- we'll discuss like things in the company that we need to systemize, 
and then she goes she did it last week she, uh, one of the things I was thinking about is like um, I have an SOP on how to communicate with factories but that's my opinion on how to communicate with factories clearly my staff have done a good job so I was like how about this you go and talk to everybody in the company and fit, and ask them how they do it and then we'll sit down and we'll discuss the different strategies and then you create an SOP and then I'll edit it you know, mm. so that's that's what she did last week. I was reviewing her stuff. I was like, this is really good. And then next week, we're going to have the final SOP. And I'm like, you know, this is, this, why didn't I start doing this sooner, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I think it's, it's like, kind of like, because <laughs> uh, the usual model is like, you do it yourself, and then you write the SOP, and then you delegate it. But sometimes yeah. it's like, I think it's good to have a basis, but then that person can become even, like you said, more of an expert. And then they can either edit your SOP, or they might find new things to write SOPs based on. But yeah, I'm just, again, because I, I'm starting to see and I, I see the light at the end of the tunnel because I can see I'm moving towards the path of completely systemizing and outsourcing the business. Um, so that's just, I, I'm just really excited about that. I mean, sometimes writing the SOPs is a bit boring because it's like very, you know, like structured and all that kind of stuff. But it's also cool because, especially when it gets used, like I'm really excited to see how my, uh, my email template gets used by this guy. Um, yep. just to see like what happens. Cause, and I'm sure I'm going to be able to improve it based on his feedback as well. Yeah. I mean, the cool thing for me was, uh, I wrote SOPs around, um, employee onboarding and I was adding more today, but like I wrote them four months ago. So when I hired my last two employees, I, I, I had to do some onboarding of course, but then I gave them the SOPs and they, they just, they just, you know, followed them to the T and it was, it was perfect. I was like, it really cut down my onboarding by, you know, 70%, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then this guy, when he came in, I, the day when he came in uh, was the day when I came back from, from Shanghai and I came into the office a little bit later. When I came in, my staff had given him the, our standard operating doc and said, Hey, these are the SOPs on employee hand, uh, onboarding. Which was like I got a you know I don't know nerd boner over that situation because <laughs> I walked in and I was like man this guy's already following the SOPs like I didn't even tell him I didn't even share it with him I was like this is awesome like <laughs> it's just moments like that I'm like you know I could again you see the light at the end of the tunnel you could see a situation where if you have the whole onboarding system um, efficient you know you don't even have to be there when a new employee comes in. Like you, could, you just it, it makes it all your uh, modafinil filled SOP uh, SOP writing binges worth it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what, what is what is that, sir? <laughs> you think I am Tim Ferriss? I'm a, I'm a, what does he call himself? A human guinea pig? Human guinea pig, yeah. Um, anything else? What else? Oh, that's uh, that's basically it on my end. I'm just thinking any other subjects that uh, business related subjects. What did we talk about in the, the first episode? We talked about what? Dude, I don't even remember. I was trying to think. Like, I remember the last one because it was about balance and know thyself, but I honestly don't remember the first one. It's really bad. Yeah, well, we need to. I'm going to try to release it in the next month. Got an episode already lined up for next for next week and then um, maybe the, the episode after that 
it'll be good because that's around the time when I'm releasing the day in the life video as well. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to see that. How long is it? It's like half an hour? Oh, oh my, yeah. Actually, it's, I mean, the first episode is like, it's two days, right? So, <laughs> so we were like, I, I was sitting down with, uh, with Luke, who's, who's editing for me. And we were struggling to cut it down, to cut down the first day from like 28 minutes. <laughs> we cut it down to like 26. Wait, is this, is this Luke who you said was doing like consulting or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, he does video editing video. too. Yeah, he's done video editing his pretty much his whole life, like since he was like ten. Oh wow! Okay. So it's like he, he's and he also did it professionally a little bit, I think, in college. Um, so when we were partners in EC, he was the guy in charge of all the video stuff. So I saw like what he's capable of, and I just asked him. I was like, man, like I I I want to move forward with this stuff. And uh, I know he was transit. He is transitioning into his consulting business and stuff. Um, and I asked him if he was interested in, in doing some, you know, video editing for me. And uh, he, he said he was down. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes. So I, I think it's probably going to be like first video is probably going to be 26, 25 minutes, and then the second video is going to be shorter because I know the second day wasn't as. Um, Second day wasn't as extensive because we went to visit like a factory and all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm I'm excited for those as well. I ha- I have my first Instagram vlog uh, video, whatever coming out, I think tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So and then we've got. I'm gonna try to have two to three a week of the one minute clips for the gram. Yeah, yeah I'm a, I'm excited to watch it. I. Uh... I was actually watching some of uh, Michael Michelini's uh, vlogs, and uh, he put out one. I don't remember exactly which one is, but uh, you popped up because you were talking about uh, how you came to China and uh, joining like the EC forum and all that kind of stuff. I haven't even like, seen. I haven't seen it yet. I know he, he recorded me. <laughs> yeah, and but I was, I was like, just oh, like, oh man, stuff. I know that guy. I know that guy. <laughs> what did I say? Because I, I remember. So I I remember when he was recording it. It was uh, it was last week. And uh, a week and a half ago, and we were doing an EC Canton Fair meetup. So I stopped by um, just because Nick Nick was talking about it, and I was like, "He said you'd appreciate it if I stop if I stop by." And even though I'm not a partner anymore, I still want to contribute. So you know, I, it's not like I went there to learn anything. I just went there to like, you know, show my face and like you know, we talked to a few people about manufacturing and stuff. And then I, they asked me to share my story. So I don't know what ended up in the video, though. Yeah, well, I, I just remember one part. Well, you're talking about how, like, uh, you know, us, like me included, like we, we pitched in, you know, 10 guys, 50 bucks each and bought you your EC membership. But then it was funny because uh, you're talking about that and you're like, oh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to get emotional, man. <laughs> I was like, am I going to get emotional? I remember I was like, he used that. How dare him? How <laughs> dare him? I'm trying to put out this persona of being stoic, you know. Um, I didn't. I don't know. I think I was joking, though. I don't think I actually. Uh, I don't think I actually got emotional. But it was just weird. It was a weird thing to be like. I'm sitting in a room with. Uh, it was like 15 people. I think I knew half, half of them, and then uh, you know I'm actually sitting with. I, I don't think I'd ever talked about the story in front of other people with Nick actually physically present. You know what I mean? So that was a weird thing because I know how much Nick helped me throughout that whole process. And 
me starting my business. So I was like, that's why I was like, if you, if, if I, if I talk about the story, honestly, it, it is one of those stories where other people I think would get emotional. And, uh, I am, I'm super grateful. Uh, but I, I don't think I'll be crying anytime soon. Camera. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like, uh, like I've said this before, but if I think about, for example, just in general, all the stuff my friends have given, but let's say just specifically Ryan, Ryan's helped me a lot with uh, the consulting, uh, giving me SOPs, teaching me basics of sales. His pitching template uh, comes from him. And he doesn't give any fucks that I'm doing email marketing like he is. Um, we're going after different strategies, though, because I want to eventually do um, just cold emails and you know five-ish subscription-based clients, whereas he right now is just, you know, you know, just signing new clients, doing their work, signing more clients, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's a much different business he's going after. But if I didn't have like Ryan helping me along, and especially with weekly calls, I'd be in a much, it would be much, much, much harder for me. And uh, when I lost my job with the internship, because I had a dropshipping internship, that's how I got into internet entrepreneurship. And even just that, that's another thing. Fuck, like I... <laughs> Again, the the fact that this happened, I came to Vietnam. I think I mentioned this in our first episode, but I came to Vietnam. I was just like, I'm going to teach English. I'll do whatever I can to just make my blog work. And after the first two English teaching interviews, I'm like, I would kill myself. Like through the Roosh V forum, random guy I Skype with introduced me to a Vietnamese guy who introduced me to his friend who was a girl who introduced me to her boyfriend who initially just wanted articles written and then took me on as a full-time like apprentice managing his brand and helping him do stuff and that was like fully location independent work wherever it doesn't fucking matter all this type of stuff and that was like that's that's one thing I'm super grateful for but again then when I when he moved everything to native to Australia he wasn't doing anything uh, with outsourcing or, or you know on different locations you know, Ryan's the one who suggested I do freelancing and then we've just, you know, kind of been tagging along together, growing our freelancing and consultant businesses together. That's a good topic to touch on is just the importance of friendships in business, even with people that are in your industry, like direct or indirect competitors. Because um, I had this thing, I don't, did I talk to you about this? Uh, when I went to the uh, cross-border summit, um, I ended up meeting uh, four of my competitors. One guy who's sort of now my mentor. Um, and I've known him for a while now, so it's not like he wasn't, it wasn't the first time I met him. But I was I was in this weird place because in my mind, I knew of one guy very well, but I'd never met him. So in my mind, I'd like built him up as like, yeah, this is my competitor. Like, you know, I <laughs> like frequently check out his website and see what he's doing. And then I, like I've gotten clients that worked with him before. And uh, yeah, in my mind, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to kill this guy. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and then I met him and he's just like a very, I, I loved his presentation. Um, his name is Sam Boyd. Uh, a great guy, man. Like he's just a really good guy. And in my and I started I started to change my my thinking as as I was listening to his presentation. I was like, why would I want to? Just because I'm competitors with this guy, I, I'm I don't want to hate him. Like, why wouldn't I be friends with him? Because we can probably help each other. Mm-hmm. And we connected, and uh, we we started talking after the conference, and he started telling me about opportunities in Thailand. 
And uh, <clears throat> he was just talking about the benefits of maybe thinking about opening up an office in Thailand because obviously China is becoming more expensive. Do it, man. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, China is becoming more and more expensive. So a lot of the labor-intensive products are being outsourced to cheaper countries, which is what I knew that. But I wasn't. Re I was thinking of that as like a, you know, three, four, or five years Man. down the line. Is this have to point out? It's so funny. It's like, you know, shit is expensive in the U.S. Let's outsource to China. Oh, China is still too expensive. Let's outsource to somewhere else. Let's outsource to somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I mean, he 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 turned me on to that, and then he was. I asked him like, randomly, like, because he told me about Thailand, and I didn't talk to him for a while. Then it just one day I was like, okay, let me ask him why. And then he just broke down to me a lot of the, um, like the Thai government is is in, uh, implementing incentives for foreign investment, foreign entrepreneurs and like not not big companies. They're looking for like, you know, small businesses who, who and I think maybe specifically in the manufacturing world. Um, so he was like, yeah, man, like you should check this out. So I went, I was like, this is great. This And it just reminded me, I was like, this is the reason why you should be friends with people in your industry because it's like you might have your head down and then you meet one guy who tells you about this specific strategy or thing that you should be thinking about, which is directly beneficial for your company. And he was telling me the same thing. He was like, man, like I don't see, I don't see any, I, I know you guys are my competitors, but I just see like support. I see a support system around me. You know, it's like, why wouldn't I want to be friends with, people that are doing the exact same thing as me yeah, it's, because we, we can help each other. That's a really good you know? point because, uh, you know, I was in Vietnam for one month and I, it's not that I didn't like it. Actually, I, I had a really good time. Like I was sick for a bit of it. Um, but, and my apartment, the apartment kind of sucked. But the one thing I got out of it was I met a guy doing the exact same thing I'm doing, like with cold emails and lead gen. And his, again, his model is very different than mine. And he's going after a very different, um, very different niche. Like he's targeting SaaS companies. I'm targeting like high tech firms. But he has taught me so much about cold emails and like how to properly do it and domain warming, all this stuff that I didn't know about. Like I had a problem with uh, email delivery. And I'm just like, oh man, like what happened? And he's just like, oh, did you do this? And I'm like, no. And he's like, oh, that's why. I'm like, oh, fuck, okay. And again, we're technically in the same competitive market um, in general, but um, we've been trying to link up for a call. We keep, we keep uh, our schedules don't align for different reasons. Like last week, he actually got sick, so we couldn't have our call, but we're trying to have a call like next week. And we're going to do it like, you know, bi-weekly just because we can share things because, yeah, I, I mean... It's tough because you are competing, but again, it's it's that abundance mindset, right? If you're like, if you're not in the scarcity mindset where you're like, oh, we have to get the same clients, you know, there's tons of people willing to pay going around, right? And then you're not going to care as much. That's the that's the problem. As I was, um, I was looking at my competitors from a scarcity mindset. You know, I don't do that often in any in most aspects of my life, uh, whether it comes to dating, whether it comes to like. Uh, friendships or, you know, traveling opportunities, whatever. I'm always like, yeah, you know, there'll be another opportunity to travel. There'll mm -hmm. be another opportunity to go partying. I don't need to go out every weekend with my friends. I'd much rather focus on my business right now. But then when I was looking at my competitors, maybe it's because I'm the youngest. Maybe it's because I'm the newest. Uh, I was like, yeah, like these are my, these are the guys I'm gunning for. Kind of thing. <laughs> 
and uh, yeah, it was just a, it was a good moment for me to just kind of switch that that thinking. And then I, you know, I was talking to a few of other guys and talking about ways that we could partner up. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, just you have to have an abundance mindset, I think, in everything and in, in everything in business. It's such a big piece of the pie. Like, I mean, okay, you talk about service-based businesses, B2B businesses, which is, I guess, what we are. How many people are starting companies every day? You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, how many people are starting companies that are not marketing specialists that need marketing services that are probably going to be related to you? Mm-hmm. It's like, if I, the, the thing that clicked in my brain was like, if every single person right now who's uh, sourcing from China decided to work with one of my competitors, that competitor would not be able to handle that amount of business. Mm-hmm. It would be impossible. Like they yeah. just wouldn't have the bandwidth. They wouldn't be able to grow quick enough. They wouldn't be able to deliver. Yeah, you know what's so, funny is that people who are smart, if they have too much, they will refer you, and then you can give them yeah. like a twenty percent commission. Yeah, uh, based on that, right? Yeah, and you know that's actually uh, actually one guy who he I had him on the podcast, Manuel, and uh, you know he does two things. He does the like courses and stuff like that then he he also does sourcing but he's more like um he's more niche down like he deals more with electronics Mm -hmm. so on a couple occasions last year and especially after we did the podcast he sent me clients because he was like i don't this is not what i specialize in and it would take too much time for me to learn how to do this Mm -hmm. um so uh, would you be interested i'm like sure And, and now i'm in a position where i'm like i'm thinking about doing the same thing with him um, in the in the coming months, when I feel like, because we're getting inquiries, and I'm like, I don't know if we can handle them, so I'm I'm like thinking about sending them to him and sending them to to some of the other guys that I know about, mm-hmm. you know. So it's just that that thing. There's there's been a switch switch for me in my in my brain. Yeah, I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up. <laughs> yep. All right, man. You kids. You know, keep an abundance mindset out there. <laughs> yeah, everything is all fairies and unicorns. Be positive, you know. Go go to a yoga meditation retreat, blah, 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 all that stuff. Go do the, go do the headspace thing. <laughs> Say yes to everything. <laughs> yeah. Say yes to everything. Fuck all that shit. All right, guys. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, actually, no, maybe you want to go first, and then I can end, end it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So if you want to, you know, ask me a question or something, you can get me at norm at constantclientsystems.com. Check out the website constantclientsystems.com. You can see some of the stuff I've done. And uh, also, if you just Google my name, you can see some of the articles that I've written about uh, entrepreneurship. Actually, I'll plug one thing, which is new. I have a new YouTube channel. And uh, most of the videos right now are all about entrepreneurship, um, workaholism, work for work's sake, balance, uh, systemizing, all that great stuff. So I'll give the link to Rico. And if you want to check out some videos on that, uh, you should check out the links in the description. All right, same here. We've got the YouTube channel for Swine Asia. Um, mine is more obviously manufacturing based, uh, sourcing tips, things like that. Even our Instagram, we should have a bunch of videos up at this stage. Uh, short one minute clips. Like one I did was uh, dealing with hostile suppliers. Um, I've done ones that were a little bit more personal to the business. Like my biggest goal um, for my business this year, which I'm not going to, I'm going to leave that as a teaser. You guys have to watch the video. Uh, 
and then obviously the day in the life videos that Noam and I have talked about and uh, I'm just going to be continuing to do like long form like the the, the way it's going to work is that the Instagram will have short one minute actionable clips YouTube will have long longer form clips of the same subjects and then I'll try to throw in a little bit of lifestyle uh, business lifestyle China type stuff um, on, on the YouTube channel so check it out Source Financia if you want to reach out to me it's podcast at sourcefinasia.com um, check, obviously go to the website if you want to you know get the show notes the links that Noam was talking about sourcefinasia.com slash made in China alright right. <laughs> 